Coming up this week on the Course of Life podcast, a loaded week of golf, including an interesting finish at Pebble Beach, the live spotlight at Mayakoba, plus its waste management, Phoenix Open, and Super Bowl week. That means we're talking all things T-Swift, Super Bowls, and of course, the random prop bets for the Sunday that you need to know about, so get your money ready. And this week's guest, none other than a Hall of Famer, NBA 50 greatest of all time, talking about Rick Barry, the legend in hoops, joining us on the Course of Life for a great interview from the PGA Show. And when we always end with food, we're talking Super Bowl spreads. All of it brought to you by our friends at Desert Fox Golf. And Mike, we all know them for the phone caddy and their wonderful golf accessories. But when we were at the PGA Show, we saw a new one from the Desert Fox team. We saw the DJ10 speaker. That's right. It is the most convenient speaker to get those tunes at the exact right volume. It's got the old school push and twist volume knob, which I know you appreciated the USB kit built in and all those convenient little features that all your other golf car speakers are missing. So check out the DJ10 the phone caddy and everything else that desert fox has to offer at desertfoxgolf.com check out desert fox golf on the socials and you can learn more about the new dj spent 10 speaker and their wide variety of products again we thank our longtime friends of the program at desert fox golf interwebs and welcome to course of life we are proud to be presented by our friends at desert fox golf and the live take app i'm michael he's alex and alex we're back to reality after the pga show of course we had our live pod from the floor of the show on that thursday morning that we did um there in orlando uh but now it's back to business and it's uh back to golf as well there was a uh there, there was a, an interesting weekend, I think yes. we could say, in the world of golf. Mother Nature. Uh, let's, let's start with the 54-hole no-cut event at Pebble Beach. Oh, that was an interesting <laughs> word twist you did right there. Nice nice ode Run, to live golf there. I'm curious how the OWGR is going to give out points for this event. Yeah, how about all and this is this is an angle you haven't thought of. How about yeah. all the people that had Wyndham Clark at 80 to 1 to win yeah. and then they just found out on Sunday afternoon that they had a winning ticket. Yeah. How, how about that for for a nice I, gift I, to the I, golf fans out there? I mean Wyndham Clark of course on that Saturday round flirting with a 58 after opening he was, yeah. uh with that that 28 on the front uh couldn't couldn't seem to you know a couple of those putts coming up real short those last few holes there. Uh, including that eagle chance on 18. Still, course record 60. That was enough to put him into the lead. Uh, Aberg was not able to get all the way there when he finished his round. So Wyndham Clark wins a shortened uh, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. He does. Because of Mother Nature, basically it's, Mother yeah. Nature won and and and, took, and canceled any potential golf Sunday and Monday. It was a monsoon. The winds were whipping forty to sixty miles an hour. Waves flying off the coach. It, it was just pretty much an unplayable course, and it wasn't going to be for Monday either. So they just called it right then and there. Yep. It's not something they do very often in professional golf, but lo and behold, just a fifty-four hole winner this past week on the PGA Tour. I, I do want to talk about too because we did not have a show last week after last week's event can we talk about matthew pavin who 
also did very well this week, came in third, because he was the first Frenchman to win on the PGA Tour. And for those lifelong fans of Course of Life, back when we were the token sports radio show at Quinnipiac University on WQAQ, we had someone call into the show and ask why we were talking about golf, because golf was for the French. And now we can say a French golfer has won on the PGA Tour. Great callback there. Some eight years later... Yes, that was the original troll. That was the first like a real life troll that I ever encountered in my life. Wait, there. actually, let me re- rephrase that. Not eight years later, Alex. Eighteen years later. Correct. Yeah, you're lost <laughs> in the time matrix right now. For how long it's been? It's been a while. It's been a half a lifetime basically yeah. for us since that troll called our radio show. But golf, indeed, for the French. And and, and let me let me francophone it up for the people who are offended yeah. by your Americanized pronunciation. It's Mathieu Pavon. Who is the winner at the Farmers Insurance Open last weekend? I will ask, will Pavon, is he uh, just getting himself set up for his Paris Olympics this year? Right. I I know. Big time home game vibes for him right there. So I know him and Victor Perez are a couple Frenchmen that are going to be very excited to potentially compete in Paris. And yeah, that was impressive stuff at Torrey. And he backed it up with a nice finish at Pebble too. All right. Let's talk about that other 54-hole no-cut uh, invitational event because we should point out that also the painting Pebble Beach Pro was an invitational, really. Yes, it was. So yeah, there was yeah. another one going on. This one was at Mayakoba and also had a low round, this time a 59 from Joaquin Neiman, who took the win, just kind of coasted his way thanks to a playoff to a win over Sergio Garcia. Yeah. A lot of Spaniard speakers right there, firing up in a Latin American culture and community and vibe there in Mayacoba in Mexico on the the coast by Cancun there. Very nice destination. And it was interesting the way it played out because we all found out collectively kind of midday Sunday that Pebble Beach was a no-go and pretty much not happening on Sunday or Monday. So at that moment, this was Liv's opportunity. They had the headlines. They had a football-free Sunday afternoon with no PGA Tour golf. And admittedly, it was a pretty good showing of the product. You got a lot of the names filtered towards the top of the leaderboard. John Rahm in his debut was flirting with contention and tied for the lead at one point. Sergio was there. It ended up being Sergio and Neiman in the playoff that Neiman won in the dark. There was an in the dark moment where yep. they turned the lights on the 18th green and the crowd chanted one more hole. So for, for what we can ballyhoo or make fun of regarding everything that's gone on with the live tour, if nothing else, it was good to see them trot out a nice competitive moment uh, there on a Sunday evening when there was no other sports going on. So that was That's good. true. Uh, so so do we think, though, that does that mean that let, let live, if we had to compare these two 54-hole no-cut events side by side, yeah. was this the better event because of the finish? Or was the finish also, or was watching Wyndham Clark almost shoot a 58 more enjoyable than watching Joaquin Needham not really be able to hold on for a win. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because you kind of like weigh the wins now. We're always talking about like, oh, I mean, this live win looks really good because he beat so-and-so and so-and-so. And yeah, I mean, that one in Mayakoba in a pretty big spot against Cam Smith, Rom on the leaderboard, Sergio there, some big names lined up and playing well. So it definitely held a little bit more weight. This is the first time I've been able to like really say like, I think live actually kind of won the week in headlines just from a straight golf perspective, which isn't something they've been doing. They've been winning the headlines with their money and their pockets and the negotiations and luring people away from the PJ tour. This is a, this is a rare winner for them where they actually won it with, with golf on the course. 
So those were the two 54-hole no-cut invitational events that went on <laughs> That's this weekend. Right, yes. <laughs> I'm Love just going to keep that. hammering that over and over and over again. Love that. Um, there was another golf event, of course, this weekend. That was the DP World Tour. They were out in Bahrain. And uh, an Austin, Texas resident, Dylan Fratelli, yes. got the W. Yeah, Thank God. Lord of mercy. Back in the winner's circle for a guy that had really fallen to the depths. You may remember he did win the John Deere in, I think, 2019 and had really lost a lot of his game in the last couple of years. Kind of had to dig deep to get himself back into a good mental frame of mind heading into this new season. Kind of back out on the DP World Tour, taking a little bit of a half step back in his PGA Tour career and ventures. Uh, so really cool to see him get back on that world stage. He's You're now going to see him in a lot more um, higher price events. Uh, so good to see an Austin, Texas resident and former Longhorn uh, get a win in a really cool spot, Bahrain, desert island country out there in the Middle East. I know there's a lot going on in the world right now, but uh, it was a very unique setting for the DP World Tour. Speaking of someone coming back to the game or maybe trying to find their game again, let's talk about Anthony Kim. The former three-time winner on the PGA Tour is looking for a comeback. <laughs> This was a wild one that hit me out of left field because you and I are on golf social media enough to know that he's like kind of an urban legend figure in the game. Yeah. He, he's like yeah. a myth. Like, you know, you had to see it to believe he actually existed. Like people, I don't think people realize like Anthony Kim won a Ryder Cup all by himself like a decade ago for, for the US Team USA. <laughs> like he did amazing things in the game of golf and then he just disappeared off the face of the planet. People were wondering where he was. Like... Like I'm trying to think of a, a, I was trying to think of a weird analogy, kind of like the way that like Richard Simmons was just like gone and disappeared from all of Hollywood. Oh God! Like, <laughs> like, like Anthony Kim has just finally made a resurgence after years, if not decades, of absence from the world and the public spotlight. Um, so I'm very curious to see what the return looks like. We don't even know if it's going to be on the PGA Tour uh, or live, uh, but regardless, the the murmurs are there. So hopefully we see him back in competition soon. This weekend was the Grammys, and Alex, I know you were watching intently. Let's hit the main headline here. Taylor Swift won a Grammy and then immediately announced a new album. Yes, she did. Um, it's like, how do we step around this conversation without getting canceled by the Swifties right now? That, that, that's no, the look, question I'm toying I love I'm Taylor with. Swift. I love Taylor Swift. I that do as well. Great. I like Taylor Swift. <laughs> I, I now, didn't love the, the ooh, t- ooh, delivery okay. and timing of that announcement. And, and you okay. could see it because they, they immediately panned to three people. They panned to Olivia Rodrigo, they panned to Miley Cyrus, and they panned to Ed Sheeran. All three very contemporary pop stars right in the same space as Taylor Swift. All three of them had a very cringy look on their face. And I took that uh, <laughs> with, with, a, with a, a weight of stone. Well, here's the thing you need to remember. Taylor Swift is one of the most savviest businesswomen in the world. She knows what her fans want. She delivers on it time and time again. Oh, yeah. And there is nothing bigger she could do than in the middle of one of the biggest global music tours and most successful music tours of all time, winning a Grammy for Best Album. And then announcing she has another one coming in mere months. 
Yeah, I mean, it's very exciting from a content perspective if you're a fan of her music, which I am, definitely. I just, I, I don't know, something about that gave me pause. And then the part two, which gave me a little bit of pause, I, I'm not slighting her in any way, but there was a moment when she won at the end of the night where she insisted on dragging Lana Del Rey up to the stage. Lana Del Rey was a fellow nominee in the same Ooh. category. Taylor Swift wanted to, quote unquote, give her her flowers by bringing her up on stage and commemorating her great work. I don't know. It just gave off a little bit of a mean girl vibe. I, I, I know she was kind of trying to do a good thing or was she doing something mean girly with a little bit of a nice tinge on it? It just there were a couple of moments that kind of struck me interestingly, to say the least, about Taylor Swift. But still a Swifty here, very much in her camp, uh, just taking note of some viral moments from from Sunday and the Grammys. Speaking of Taylor, I felt like we almost also had a, a, a redo of the Taylor. I'm going to let you finish moment with uh, only this time with Jay Z talking about Beyonce. I know, <laughs> right? It was she's yeah. never won, never won best album. <laughs> Yeah, 32 nominations, never won Best Album. And, and I think he's probably right. Again, it was just one of those delivering and timing things. I'm the biggest Jay-Z fan in the world. You know that. I've been a fan of his music for over two decades. But for some reason, it just seemed a little whiny, especially since he was receiving such an honorable award. And, and this was supposed to be kind of his moment to talk about what he had done. And, and he decided, like you said, to turn it into a, a Kanye West VMA moment. Uh, so yeah, just, I don't know. There were a few things, Miley Cyrus, like kind yeah. of asked the crowd, like, don't act like you don't know this song 10 seconds in. Like there were just a few moments where I saw the biggest stars in the world in music at the Grammys just be really petty uh, about their level of fame. And I it just, it kind of struck me Sunday night. So that was, that was my takeaway from the Grammys. I mean, I'll, I'll say that, but at the same time, I'll say that if I had that much power and money, I would be out of touch with reality as well. <laughs> yes, there you go. See, we're, we're just talking from the other side here in, in paycheck to paycheck world. So we don't really know what it's like, do we? <laughs> No, but you know, you know how you can help us reach that plateau, listener. If you're still listening after Alex uh, shit on Taylor Swift, there yep. is uh, go check out our YouTube channel as well. Of course, we got videos up there. Uh, we got a bunch of videos coming out from our time of the PGA show. Of course, we got a video just went up last week, including a look at the ping answer putter. And Alex, I'm mad at you. You didn't catch that I spelled answer wrong everywhere. Mm, I spelled yes. answer like uh live golfer abraham answer, answer. that's abraham right and answer. a savvy commenter reached out to us so i appreciate yeah. that um, and and my my ask there though is why isn't ping and abraham answer working together here this is a great marketing opportunity for the two of them that is right on the tip of their tongue i mean the answer is a classic putter in the game and i got to talk a little bit with a ping rep about how it has been modernized to 2024 so again check out the youtube channel for that video fantastic edit from mike as well course of life podcast on youtube just search us there and it's the first thing that will come up from the pga show but we got many more brand features and interview content coming on the youtube channel so yes if you want to support and you appreciate what you're hearing right now for us and our sake and our vanity and keeping us on this planet happy and alive. Uh, yeah, just give us a little follow there. Hit the bell, subscribe on the YouTube as well while you're at it. Let's do a little tuned in as well, because I know you found yourself out at the movie theater this weekend, Alex. What did you get to see? Yeah, I saw Migration, the uh, the Disney animated movie about the family of, uh, of Mallards. Had you seen any promo or build up to this movie at all? Uh, no, I have not actually yeah, at all. <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't a lot, truth be told, but you know what? 
my fixation and my fascination with birds is what got me. I forget what we were seeing, but we were seeing some movie in the fall and the trailer for this movie came on before in the previews and I immediately marked that movie down. I just love birds, love birds in flight. I've always said if I, if I get to come back as an animal, I'd love to come back as a bird and I could just migrate north and south to any destination I want whenever I'd like. And this movie just personified that in the most wholesome Disney way. Also some wonderful points of humor for the adults watching. It was very much not a kids movie with some cool adult themes as well uh so a strong 8.5 out of 10 for for migration uh voices you knew mike we were uh, kamal nanjani uh lead male mm-hmm. uh elizabeth banks and also you gotta love danny devito as as uncle danny there uh with the, the family of mallards that flew south to jamaica so migration very fun heartwarming easy watch 8.5 out of 10 on my scale All right. It's one of the biggest weekends in golf. It's the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Always a fun time, especially on the classic 16th hole. Mm. But the big storyline here is, of course, can Scotty Scheffler become the first golfer since Steve Stricker won the John Deere Classic three times in a row starting in 2009 to win the same event three years in a row? Great callback there. That's a yeah. nice callback to Steve Stricker at the John Deere. He used to dominate that event back in the day. I remember yeah. that too. That was like a shoe-in win for him back in the 2000s. Uh, yeah, so uh, the three-peat conversations come up a bit, a couple times. We, I think we had a Victor Hovland, Mayakoba, or three-peat, or some, some, something recently. There's, it's, it's, happened, it's come around had, a couple times here in the last six months. So um, you did last year have four golfers try for three-peats and fail. I was going to ask you this later, but since you brought it up, who were the four golfers last year who didn't get three peats? Yeah, I'm trying to remember who even won freaking back to back. God, I don't even, I don't even know. Did, did Rory, was Rory one of those three peaters? Rory, yep. Okay, was Rory? Um, was John Rahm one of those three peaters? Nope, he wasn't. Who were the other ones? Victor Hovland. Mm, yep. Okay. Sam Burns. Ah, uh, yes. And K. H. Lee. Oh, KH Lee here in Dallas. Oh, yes, yep. of course. Okay. Yeah, so good good list there. Uh, 3P for Scheffler, that would be fun. A Super Bowl week, waste management. Again, it's the same thing we saw at Pebble Beach, though. Like, even the casual fans, just my wife, dad, friends watching this past week were like, wow, Scotty Scheffler like, can't make a putt. No, but it's, it's amazing. He still, still competes every week because he's the yeah. greatest ball striker on earth by leaps and bounds. And he literally can't make a putt. So he's just right on the threshold. Maybe this is the course where he refines that magic on the greens. I know he's the, the odds on favorite to win. I, I would have to bet away from it though, because there there ends up being a lot of birdies and a lot of putts made down the stretch for the winner of this event. The winner usually comes barnstorming in with like yeah. a 29 on the back nine on Sunday. I don't know if that's in Scheffler's game right now. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it will be indeed. And of course, it's always the perfect precursor to the Super Bowl, which will come right after on Sunday. And we'll get into that in a little bit as well. All right, let's get to the turn and this week's guest. This week's guest, Alex, is a four-time REMAX World Long Drive champion. Okay. This guest is a pickleball enthusiast galore interesting adores the game long driver and pickleball huh interesting he also 
was the 1975 NBA champion, 1975 NBA Finals MVP, 1969 ABA champion, eight-time NBA All-Star, 1967 NBA All-Star Game MVP, and the 1966 NBA Rookie of the Year. I am, of course, talking about Rick Barry. That's folks how you bury the lead right there. Yeah. That's called that's called burying the lead. If you're not familiar with that term, that's exactly how that works in the broadcasting world. A little bit of a basketball player we got on the show here. We've had a lot of former athletes turn golfers. This one might be the most accomplished of them all. Really cool conversation with a legend in the game. Basketball, pickleball, golf. We're covering it all with Rick Barry. That's right. We'll get to that conversation with Rick in just a second. But first, let's talk to you about our friends at the Live Take app. This is where sports debates are solved once and for all. This is where you could go on and you could tell people you think Rick Barry is a better NBA player than LeBron James. You could do you could you could formulate that take if you wanted to. It's I don't I don't know how all that holds up, but statistically it might if you take those NBA finals performances, Mike. They're averaging 30 in the NBA finals. I think I'm going to start to make the argument right now as you bring it up. You could say Rick Barry is a better long driver than Bryson DeChambeau. That is true if you're just counting the yeah. rings, right? Yeah. That's the beauty a lot of the of live take can, app is that you can yeah. formulate the take however you like. And you can uh, live take someone in a live audio setting and tell them why you think this, and they can then debate against you. And then you can let random people on the internet go ahead and decide, not just your friends sitting in your couch that have to listen to you. These are people that decide to listen to you and then decide to tell you who's right and who's wrong. So you can check us out on the Live Tag app. We're there, COL Podcast Alex and COL Podcast Michael. Make sure you download it on your app store and uh, check it out. It's a lot of fun and we're on there almost every week. Live take. Let your take be heard. All right. Next up on the tee here at the PGA Show, NBA Hall of Famer, NBA 50 greatest, and an avid golfer and pickleball player as well, too. And he coined the underhand free throw shot. Unlike anybody else, it's Rick Barry joining us on The Course of Life. Rick, how are you doing today? Well, when people ask me that question, I say if I was doing any better, I'd be making a comeback in the NBA and I'd play for the average salary. Exactly. The money, the money right? these guys make is beyond my comprehension. It's, uh, it's astonishing. So God bless them. They'd be fools not to take it. Oh, my word. Aren't you right about that? But it's really cool to see you out here moving around on the pickleball court. Um, what's it like playing pickleball out on the PGA show floor in front of this golf audience like that? Well, that's the thing when they ask me in Selkirk, who's been great, who I use their, their paddles. Uh, they have awesome paddles. <laughs> and said, yeah, we want you to come play some exhibition. I said, great. Terrific. Yeah, it's going to be at the PGA show. I said, what? Yeah. The PGA show? I mean, <laughs> I've been at the show many you know years ago. I've been right. here a number of times when I was big into golf. And yeah, it was pretty amazing, but that's why what's happening, all the country clubs are getting into pickleball big time. They're removing some of their tennis courts, they're putting in pickleball courts. Every new construction area in warm weather climates, when they're putting in a new a new uh, con, you know, condominiums Absolutely. and homes or whatever, it's all pickleball. So uh, yeah, fastest growing sport in the world, uh, an amazing sport. I'm glad I got into it. I wish I had learned about it more than just six years ago because yeah. I, I get a great workout. I don't beat my body up so much, and it's going to continue to grow. Two years ago, I was told they expect pickleball to have 30 million players by 2030. It's 2024, 
and there's over 45 million. Oh, geez, they're hitting their quota there. I mean, it's my word. I've never in my entire life, and I'm getting to be a pretty old guy, I've never seen anything like this before in sports. It's really amazing. So what was the introduction like for you to pickleball? How'd you first pick up the well, racket I was and see still, it? I was actually doing long driving in golf, you know, because when I retired, the thing I miss most is competing. Yeah. I mean, I just always grew up. I love to compete. And so my wife's, you know, you know, said, you know, you got to find something to do. And so I got into long driving. So I actually won Very four cool. world long driving championships. Yeah, I, I was doing something with crank golf they had you know they dominated oh, yeah. the long they're still driving. big in that game right oh, now yeah, long yeah, drivers, yeah. You know, they, i mean so that was so much fun and then they got rid of the old farts you know so they stopped having the old guys from playing anymore so i couldn't compete so i said i gotta find something to do and i was playing tennis a lot of tennis i was a pretty good tennis player but it was hard on my body it's just beating me up right and so i had no cartilage in my left knee and it just made it very difficult so my wife said well hey i just saw the sport pickleball i said what in the world is pickleball it sounds funny on the surface yeah, it really seems name, yeah. weird you know but it's it's really a terrific sport i got into it uh i got you know basically hooked on it and you know play a lot i spent two years working on my game practicing like anything else to get to the point where I felt I can compete because my goal was to try to win a national championship. Mm. I've been able to do that in the U.S. Open. I've done that in the USA Pickleball Nationals so and cool. I've won world world championships as well. So, And I've just now started to get into playing singles, which I wasn't playing. So I'm really looking forward to this year. My goal is to win a triple crown in uh, the U.S. Open coming up in April in singles, mixed doubles, and men's doubles. And then the US, uh, USA Pickleball Nationals and also the world, long, the world uh, championships that they have out in in, uh, in Utah that they've had forever and uh, the Huntsman game. So that's my goal. You got to have goals in life yeah. and it'd be kind of cool to, to do that. So but the hardest part has been me trying to find an 80 year old because I'm going to be 80 years old, which is beyond my mm. comprehension to find an 80 year old woman who's good enough to play skill wise. And then, you know, I finally searched, I'm going to actually play with a lady uh, from Naples, you know, Sue Matthews and then a, a former great tennis player back in the days of Billie Jean King, Alice oh, Tim. She, yeah, she, she, was, uh, she was 13th in the world in tennis years ago. And oh, so, yeah. so we're going to try to play in the in the World Seniors and the USA Pickleball Nationals. So it's it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. It's been fun getting to uh, to play here. You just said it fun. It was fun. I got to play some with Sherry, who you just had on the show. And, yeah. And, uh, and some other pros. And I just played with another young kid. Show you how the games change to say older people. No. The young kid, Rex, 13 years old. He's playing in his first pro qualifying tournament in March at 13. That's very you know, cool. And look what yeah. Annalie Waters has done in women. She's the best women's player in the world at 15, 16 years of age. Yeah. Just remarkable. So, yeah, it's a great sport. It's great for social stuff as well. People get together and have fun. The only drawback to it, and this is why golf will always be the ultimate business game, the handicap system in golf. Because right. you can be a 36 handicap and play with a pro because of the handicap Have a system nice and, it can, and, and it can work and you can be together. Yeah. You can't do that in pickleball yeah. and you can't do that in tennis because if the person is a 2-5 or a 3-0 player and you're a 4-5 player, it's not really going to be competitive. You're just out there trying to be fun and nice to them. And, and that's, that's the biggest difference. And that's why golf will always be the ultimate game from a business standpoint. I love the passion for the pickleball, and the two of them are going. Uh, they're going hand in hand for the foreseeable future. Yeah, so well, you're I mean, they were here last year. Exactly. They told me, it, you know, had courts here, and now they got courts again. All the other the paddle companies, they're all out here, and because they see what's happening, and all of the country clubs are getting big into uh, having pickleball now. Because I told people the biggest difference: try to take someone who's not an athlete, tell them to have a ball in one hand, a racket in tennis that's an elongated object hang in your other hand, throw the ball high in the air. 
try to time yourself to hit that ball so you can hit it a, a pretty lengthy way across the net into a little Tiny box, little on, the, box in the on the other side and tell somebody they have to do that. That is not easy to do. But in pickleball, it's just under hit. Anybody can serve yes, in yeah. pickleball. Barrier that, of entry. That's the reason why this game is going to work and you don't have a lot of room. You don't, in doubles, you don't have to move and run a lot. So people who aren't in the greatest of shape are out there playing. That's why it's not going to go away anytime soon. It's just going to keep growing and growing. And as I say, it's growing worldwide now. So I love that you, cool. you got the goals, you got the barriers for the next levels of accomplishment in pickleball. Yeah. I appreciate seeing that too. Yeah. Um, in terms of the uh, the golf game for you though, how's your game right now? Or are you shopping not, for new clubs? No, what are you doing I'm not, the golf I'm not, wise these I'm days? I'm not real good right now because I stopped. I, it got so frustrating to me because I'm such I'm a perfectionist. Golf's I can't tough, tell. Golf's a tough game to be a perfectionist <laughs> in. Okay, every sport is a game of mistakes. But golf, it's so punitive, you know, and that's why I really think that golf missed out for the normal people. Normal people should never play regular golf. They should play match play. Yeah. I hit it out of, you know, and I, yeah. at the club, I belong. Sometimes if I'm in town, I'll go play in the club tur club tournaments because I go, I hit it out of bounds. Okay, you're whole. Let's move on. I don't you don't need to, to watch everyone make sevens and eights and tens. I'm trying to make up, you know, two, three shots for out of bounds and stuff and trying to score. I mean, a metal play is just too darn difficult. I asked, I, I, I know so many of the pro golfers, you know, and I know Jack Nicholas. I asked Jack one day, I said, Jack, tell me if I'm right or wrong, please. I keep telling everybody that golf is a sport that can never be mastered. He said, absolutely right oh, yeah. it's just too difficult there are too many variables That's the guy to ask too. you can play the same golf course 365 days a year 66 if it's a leap year same pin, pl pin placements same well, same pin places same tee boxes you will never have the same shot twice it's a total impossibility because the weather is never exactly the same the ball is never going to land in the exact same spot that's what makes this game so difficult. It's so mental. That's why Tiger was so good because he was so tough mentally. Oh yeah, you know, locked in. And, and, and it, it, you just and you're never satisfied. I mean, well, I never was anyway in anything I did. I always wanted to get better, but but golf is so demanding, and I have great respect for it. And the better I got, the more my respect for golfers went right. up. Like Ray Floyd's a dear friend of mine of over 50 years, and I know Trevino and Palmer and everything. I had some of the greatest conversations with... Uh, Do you still get to play with those guys recently? No, I haven't seen, I've seen them every once in a while, and, you know, Arnold before he passed away, and I, I, you know, I've been around them, and I've had great conversations. Gary Player had some of the greatest conversations oh, because yeah. he's like me. This guy is, is a very intense kind of guy, serious. I mean, he's Still awesome, cranking out hundreds yeah, of sit-ups yeah, and crunches oh, every I morning. I, mean, like, I do yeah. sit-ups and all that same kind of stuff, so I can relate to Gary. And just great guys. Lee Trevino, you know, known Lee and all these guys for so many years, broadcast the PGA Tour for years with CBS. So my respect and admiration for golfers is just, it's immense because they're so tough mentally. I mean, it's one of the toughest games ever. Just think about, look at the great players. Look at what happened to David Duvall, number one in the world, and he disappeared. Yeah. Disappeared. I mean, yeah. Too can, many variables. You can have it in the palm of your hands and lose it so fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that's as why. fast as you get Yeah, it. well, just look at what happens. I mean, even in, in the matches and doing plays. I mean, look at what happened to Greg Norman in one of the Masters, or the Masters, I guess. No, yeah, happened. six shot lead. How the hell is, you know, I mean, it's it, it's so unbelievable. You talk about, well, pickleball, it can happen. I've, I've watched Ben Johns and his brother, who are the best doubles team in pickleball in the world, in the pro level. They're playing against two other great pickleball players. You know, I think it was Wright and... Uh, and, and, and Newman and they're playing and Newman and all they were up 10-1 10-1 to a game to 11 the Johns brothers called a timeout came back and won yeah that's I crazy I mean come on I mean <laughs> so I said Newman I said, I said look at 
I said, I know you don't want to hear this. I said, but you're losing like that really was good for me. And I said, yeah, because if it can happen to you, I know it can happen to me and I'm not going to feel so bad. <laughs> the mental anguish, the fight oh inside to get good at it's, these sports. It's, it's so frustrating. Did, that's you that's in, the beauty of sports, though. Is did you, you never encounter know. that difficulty mentally in tackling basketball? Or is this something you're just now seeing with golf and, and oh, no, pickleball? No, no. Was it, was it that? It's always that way in basketball, too. I mean, I always say when I, when I played, but when I coached, I try to tell my players. The most difficult thing for you to learn how to do, and I wish if I had a way to teach it, I'd be a trillionaire. If I could teach and had a method to be able to let people learn how to be able to stay focused for extended periods of time, because the biggest difference in most every sport is the team that stays focused longest wins. Because when you're not focused, you can play hard. But in basketball, if you're not focused, you'll be a half a step late. And a half a step, you're, you're, you're history. I tell people in basketball, I didn't have to get by my guy. If I got even with him, that's a half a step. If I get a half a step on you, I own you. You're done. And it's the same way in all the other sports, staying focused. This is why you see all the runs happening, even in football and in basketball. Team's down 20 points. Next thing you know, the other team comes back. back The other team mentally loses their focus. They think they got the game won. They let down a little bit. The other team gets focused. Next thing you know, they make the run at them. That is the key in all sports, the mental toughness to stay focused. What was that chess match like? You went up against the icons and greats of the game in addition to you being an icon and great of the game. Will, Bill Russell, were those those chess matches, how did you approach those games night in and night out? Well, I really, I look forward to playing against the best players. I mean, it was, it was fun. I mean, I knew if I drove in and do stuff, Bill Russell is probably, you know, he's going to try to block my shot. I studied the way he does it. He wants you to commit and do it. So you're, you're playing a game mentally. You try to do something. I remember one thing. I don't really dunk and stuff. And one time I actually, and I got to be friends with Bill and we broadcast together and God rest his soul. And I remember a game that we played and we were playing away from San Francisco, but it was a home game. Thank you. It was in Fresno, California. Yep. I, and he threw an outlet pass. I stole it. He was under the basket, our basket. And I drove in. So I knew I'm going in. He's waiting for me. He's going to wait for me to commit. So I said, what do I do? It's the moment. I said, the last thing that he's going to ever think I would do, because it wasn't my game is to you know jump up and dunk stuff. I went up and dunked it. And I caught him flat-footed because he never expected. I said, Bill, it wasn't so much that I dunked on you. It was the fact that I tricked you. Okay, I I, I did something because I knew you were waiting for something and I did something you didn't expect. That was the part that was so gratifying to me is that I was able to outthink him. And that's part of what the game is really all about is being focused, being into the game and not losing that focus. Uh, it's It's hard, though. You can't teach it. You can't. Yeah, definitely. That's a really cool perspective. Um, putting it all together, I wanted you to just recount maybe a favorite memory from the 75 run, not only the championship, but your finals MVP. What's your best memory specifically from that run up to the title? Well, I mean, just winning. I mean, you know, I, I don't play. I don't have my ring. The only ring I wear because I was playing pickleball today, so I don't have my championship <laughs> yeah. ring on. But that's the only ring I wear. Not that nothing does mean anything. I mean, I've got, I've got a Hall of Fame ring. I've got a top 50 ring. But it's not about individual honors. It's a team sport. It's it's winning. And so to be able to win it in the most convincing manner, it's, it still is, the in my mind, and I defy anybody to find something different. People try to come up with names and it doesn't work, teams, what they did. The biggest upset in major sports in U.S. sports history. There's been no team that was as big an underdog at the start of the season that was totally written off, that came back and won a championship. And even in the championship series, we were saying the biggest mismatch in the history of the NBA finals, this is going to be a sweep. Well, they got the sweep right. Oh, that was a sweep. They got the wrong team. Okay. <laughs> and so that was what made it incredibly gratifying for us 
to do that as a team with a group of guys who played the game the way it was meant to be played, which is total unselfishness, play together, make a commitment. And, and so it's, it's so gratifying to me. I'm so happy. It's amazing to me with all of the documentaries that have been done for different teams and different things that have happened in all the different sports world that nobody has done one on our team. The greatest upset for sure in NBA Finals history and I think in all major sports. No documentary ever been done. And finally, one is in the process and hopefully it's going to come oh, out. Nice. This, hopefully it'll come out later this year. Okay. And I was trying to get it done. I had some people really interested, but my teammate, Charles Dudley, who we called the hopper, was working on something and he called and said, I said, well, you're doing, I said, look it, I've been working. I got some serious people wanting to maybe finally do this, but if you've got something going on, I'm not going to step on your toes. I said, but I need to talk to your producer. I want to find out what is his storyline going to be? Because I don't want it to be something I was MVP and stuff. I did not want this to be a story about me. Right. I wanted this to be a story about our team because my teammates were not given the kind of recognition and the credit they deserve for doing what we did, going deep in our after roster, not seven and eight guys deep. Yeah, having that's a great rough. attitude, playing together, never giving up, never quitting. So, yeah, that's the most gratifying thing is that, and that's what I said. I'll do everything you can if the focus is on what our team did as a team to give credit to my teammates. And so, I'm really excited about it and hope that they're going to do it. And hoping that Joe Lake and Peter Goober, the owner of the Warriors, will maybe have it as a have have, have the the, sh the first showing of it to uh, the premiere to be at the Chase Center in San Francisco. That would be I cool. I think tribute. that would be really, really cool. Very neat. Awesome. And one cool record that you do own is thanks to the Barry offspring as well, too. I want to talk about the moment watching your son, Brent, win an NBA championship, kind of full circle and seeing him do that for the Spurs. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I was actually you know, had a chance to be there watching that. Uh, hasn't happened. It was, I think, the only time ever in modern history that a father was on an NBA championship yeah, team, never son on a championship team. There's a lot of trivia stuff with the Barrys. Yep. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, you come up with a couple uh, of those. Yeah. And, you know, well, yeah. Just the fact that I've had five sons and all five of my sons have gotten Division One college scholarships and played professional basketball. Three of them on the NBA level. The genes are running strong, Rick. Yeah, I guess. yeah. My son Scooter was the last cut by the Celtics, and then Larry Bird and Mikhail said to me, "Rick, your son should have made our team." But they had 13 no-cut contracts and only 12-man roster. Wow! I didn't even so he went that. and played overseas until he was 40 years old, and and my youngest son Canyon could have, I think, could have made it. I mean, hell, he was playing on the Minnesota Timberwolves G League team. They had a player who was one of their first-round draft picks who was shooting 26 from threes, 36 from twos, 60 from the free throw line. My son was playing in the G League team, averaging 13 points a game on seven shots, shooting 48, 45 from threes, 85 from the free throw line, and couldn't get a 10-day contract. So he just got tired of you know, never getting an opportunity. And so yep. he focused his energies doing the 3X3 World Tour and representing USA Basketball oh, in cool. 3X3. And, he was on two America Cup teams as MVP of one of the tournaments. They won the World Cup. It was the only gold medal the USA had never won. They won that a couple of years back. They just won the Pan Am Games and they've qualified for the Olympics. So hopefully he'll be chosen to get that opportunity because no Barry has ever been on an Olympic team. It's my biggest disappointment in my senior year. I didn't make it. They didn't have the pros playing in those days. And I thought I played well enough to make it, but it was very political. It's really left a sour taste in my mouth. And, um, and so I missed out on being an Olympian. So I'm praying that this happens for my son to have a chance to be that. Because I saw him in the World Cup, and I have a picture of him when the national anthem was playing. He's got his gold medal around his leg and, you know, the eyes closed and the amount of pride. But I can relate to it because I only had USA on my chest once. I represented the USA in an exhibition game against the Soviet Union back 
1965 wow. back in Indianapolis. And when they played that national anthem, I didn't have a gold medal. It wasn't the Olympics. It wasn't something super special. But the feeling that I was overcome with, with the national anthem, with USA on my chest, knowing I'm representing the greatest country in the world, was absolutely That's the way the golfers mean. feel about like the Solheim yeah, Cup yeah, and the Ryder thank Cup. Thank you. Yeah. It, it's so meaningful. It's, it, it's just hard to really put into words just how meaningful it is if you really care about what it is you're doing and knowing that you're representing your country. So I'm hoping my son gets to do that and, and gets to be an Olympian. One more Barry I'm going to shout out is John because he had some killer buzzer beaters back in his day on the Pistons. I do remember John Barry. Yeah, well, John, John well, all my boys are really good shooters. <laughs> I mean, they were, you know, high percentage shooters, you know, 40% shooters and from three point range and 80% from the free throw line. John even shot, and they didn't shoot underhand, but he shot 90% overhand. My son Canyon shot 90 underhanded. But they're all, you know, all were great, you know, smart Have shooters. All your sons try the underhand free throw. Well, throw my son Scooter, my oldest one, did it. He was really good at it, but he said, Dad, it's hard enough being your son without shooting underhand free throw. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I said, son, you're probably right. I said, but you're doing yourself and your team a disservice because if you could shoot a higher percentage, you need to do that because it's the only part of the game of basketball that you can be selfish and help your team. Mm, well Anything put. else you do in basketball, if you're selfish, that's not good for your team. Got it. So from I'm curious, let's compare. We're talking about a lot of golf swings here at the PGA show, but I, I want to talk through the motion of the underhand free throw and, you know, like talk through, you know, where your hands are, what you feel, kind of spin generated. Does it, is it, is it one variable? It's proven or? by physicists to be the most efficient way to shoot a free throw. Less moving parts than anything else, softer shot than anything else. Yeah. And yet, you can't get anybody to, to copy it. Why? Well, we're copycats and everything else. I mean, they copy everything in sports, right? You got these little wow. scat backs and everybody has their little scat yep. backs. You had in basketball, you had the Muggsy Bogues and the Spud Webs. They Everyone's tried that, that one. didn't yep. work. They try everything. Nobody wants to try that because they're that? egos. I don't, it's so yeah. crazy. Because, oh, granny shot, yeah, sissy, all that bull. Hey, who cares what it looks like? The object of the free throw is to make the highest percentage you can make there's nothing else in the sport where you have the consistency and it's always the same. Same size ball, same distance, same size basket every single time. Mm. And you can't make four out of every five. You should be ashamed of yourself. Absolutely uh. ashamed of yourself. You're not a good free throw shooter if you can't make 80%. It's and most players can't. The average, I think, for the league is like in the 70s. I think so, yeah, yeah. 70s for LeBron sure. LeBron James, that's his Achilles heel. He's never been a great shooter, and he's never shot 80% mm -hmm. from the free throw line. Shaq's career, too. You know? So, you know, Shaq would have won so many more titles <laughs> if he would have done it. But, you know, he said, he said, I'm a hip-hop kind of guy to be bad for my image. Oh, <laughs> interesting. So, there you go. Interesting wording from Shaq. Yeah. Barry but, hey, you on. talked about my son, John, but my yeah. son, John's the golfer. My son, John, oh, okay. is really Is he a, the best golfer in the family right he now? He's the best golfer by far. Good I mean, for him. He, he played at a lot of those events on television when they had the uh, the coaches, the some of the football coaches and the athletes playing nice. in the competition. Nice, very cool. We actually just went to Danny Werfel's event a few months ago yeah. at well, TPC Sawgrass where he did that. Well, I, well, I played with Danny, Danny Werfel's uh, pickleball stuff two he's years ago. He's quite player. Yeah, he's what do you, very about good. his game, yeah? No, no, Danny's really good. He's he's probably the best athlete player that I've played with or against. Yeah, because he's like an almost 5-0 player in pickleball. He's really good. A Very great cool. guy too, doing a good cause, really good person. But John can really play. John is like a plus one or two. He's a really good golfer. Any bucket list or all-time golf courses you've played? What's your favorite or most notable? Yeah, that's really an interesting. One. I played a lot of great golf courses, but if I was forced to only play one golf course yeah. for the rest of my life, Cypress Point. Oh yeah, I've seen the views. Cypress Point. Man. You just have to experience it to appreciate it. It's 
the the topography of it, the, the variations, rolling hills, pine trees. Then you come out, you have the greatest back-to-back par three holes in the world. Everybody talks about 16. 15 is a great par three hole over water. Seen it, tucked yeah. in a, It's in a cove. It's absolutely beautiful. And, I mean, there's really, there really is nothing like it. The only thing about that course is that the 18th hole is nothing spectacular to finish it up. But as far as nine holes, Black Diamond Ranch in Florida, the back nine is something special. If you've never played oh, it, you that's have a good to sleeper. do it. That's not on my radar. They, no, you need to go play that. Wow. I, I am telling you, they have these holes through the quarry that are as great. In Florida, uh, through the in quarry. In Florida, through wow. a big quarry. Interesting. Absolutely spectacular. The only thing is, if they could have taken the ninth hole and made the ninth hole the 18th hole, <laughs> yeah, right. they would have had the greatest finishing holes in the world, I think. I'm okay. telling you. You, you just need to play it. In fact, I got the sixth, let's see, what hole was it? No, it was, uh, yeah, I think it's 17. They, there's a par three. I go, what the heck? You're sitting up, it's hitting down into the quarry again. There's no bunkers, only grass bunkers and rocks and stuff. It's, you just have to see it. One of the par threes, you're teeing up high, there's a ravine that to go, and you hit over. It's the six club green. Wow, oh, nice. It, I mean, and then you play and you hit around the quarry at a big par five and cut over. It, Check it out. Trust me. I, it will be some of the finest and most memorable holes you'll ever play. Very cool. And, and if you want like long greens, me and Michael went to Ireland and played the European club and they have a 127 yard long green that we play from front to back. It's the wasn't biggest it, Wasn't green. it coming both ways though? It's literally wedged Just from front one to hole? back. It's unbelievable. Okay, it's not one of the, the ones where they share strand. it? Nope, no, not shared. Wow. Quite literally long That's, screen in the world. Very well, cool I, spot. I, we have one that was like 80 yards. I mean, and of course I have four. I love that I mean, feature. It's crazy. That's yeah, but so cool. Go check out Black Diamond okay. Ranch, seriously. I mean, Very it's cool. amazing. All right, well Rick, we end with our 19th hole question. So this one's pretty easy. You get in the clubhouse at your favorite course. What's your go-to order, your meal and your drink you like to order in the 19th hole? Well, I'm not hole. a drinker, so. That's okay, anything. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get caffeine-free iced tea and, and put some healthy sweetener in it with, nice. with lemons. Okay. And uh, if I had to do it, because I, I don't eat a lot of meat, but if I'm gonna go to order something, I, I, I'm never gonna pass up a great burger. Yep. Yeah, burger, burger with Swiss cheese, you know, medium, to, you know, medium red, pink in the middle, you know, great slice of raw red, thin slice of red raw onion. Big. I would love to have a Jersey tomato on it because I love Jersey tomatoes nice with some lettuce. Okay. And just mustard, no mayonnaise, no ketchup. Sweet potato fries with no salt, just some some mustard with that. And and that would be like dying and going to heaven for me. Love it. He's one of the greats of the game and he, he's more moving up the pickleball ranks every day as well. Rick Berry, thank you so much for hopping on. My pleasure. Course of Life podcast is brought to you by Zencaster. We've been using Zencaster here since almost the very beginning as how Alex and I record this podcast from hundreds of miles away. And it provides us with great quality audio that works every time. And it's something that makes Course of Life what it is and has kept us being able to make consistent episodes every week. And now it's super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. You log in using your browser and start recording a high quality podcast right away. You record studio quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. You feel a sense of Zen knowing Zencaster's multi layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. 
And if you ever wondered what you actually sound like, Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth. It automatically removes those ums and ahs in your recording. It removes those awkward pauses in conversation too. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with the click of a button. Head on over to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our promo code COURSEOFLIFE to get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experiences we do for all of your podcasting and content needs. Again, that's Zencaster.com slash pricing and our promo code COURSEOFLIFE. Zencaster, it's time to share your story. And we're back. Great chat there with NBA legend Rick Barry, who dunked on Bill Russell. Yeah, that's a heavy headline right there. We're definitely including that in the promo for this week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, that, was, that was one of the cool pinch me moments of the PGA show is him sitting there telling that story to us, you and me on the show floor about dunking on Bill Russell. I felt very underqualified uh, to be distributing that interview content in the moment. That was an awesome conversation with Rick. He was very generous with his time, super patient with us as well, too. So I appreciated him being there playing pickleball as well, too. He doesn't mess around with his competitiveness. When he gets into a sport, he really sinks his teeth in. You can check out Rick on Instagram. Be sure to follow him on there as well. Uh, He's a big fan of Selkirk and the pickleball uh, endorsement he has with them. Has him playing all over the place, and and you can tell he's enjoying his his time uh, in retirement as well. And if you like that conversation with NBA legend, Rick Barry, plus everything else we do here on this podcast, make sure you punch that subscribe button on the podcast app you're using right now. Or if you're listening to us on YouTube, you can also punch that subscribe button so you never miss an episode that drops on YouTube, plus all the other videos we do there as well. We're on Instagram and thread, COL podcast, course of life, Alex, M-W-R-I-N-C. Alex is on X, formerly known as Twitter, course oh, yeah. of life one. Uh, and, uh, yeah, make sure you check us out in all those cool places. Of course, we also, uh, talk food a little bit on our Instagram always and with food. You can check us out there as well. We'll talk food in a couple minutes, but first let's talk football. It is super bowl week. It's time. It's chiefs 49ers really, uh, similar to 2020, almost identical. Uh, and, and the only difference here is Taylor Swift and Las Vegas. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, so let's see. We were flashback four years ago. uh, Sub in Brock Purdy for Jimmy Garoppolo, which isn't honestly that much of a sub. It's pretty much the same setup. It's it's a it's a decent quarterback for the Niners and an amazing defense against Patrick Mahomes again. Where we're getting used to that narrative and and having been part of the Patriots dynasty for twenty years. I'm starting to see images of that dynasty form in the form of the Kansas City Chiefs. They show up year in and year out, no matter what their regular season looked like. Mahomes finds a way to charge through the AFC playoff bracket, and here they are again. And it's a pretty evenly matched game, so I'm definitely excited uh, for the game itself. Uh, unfortunately, you know me when it comes to this week. I, I actually end up only having about 20% interest in the game and 80% interest in my prop bets for, for everything else that surrounds Super Bowl Sunday. 
Yeah, the prop bets are what really makes this podcast tick year in and year out when we get to Super Bowl Sunday. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. I know we'll get your full prop bet list out later this week. We'll post it on our socials. Yeah, for so sure. Make sure you're paying attention there. <laughs> but let's ask some of the some of the ones that we love to look at. The first, of course, is the Gatorade bath. Yes. What color will the Gatorade be? So this was interesting to me because you would think, and we'll get to this color in a little bit, that red would be resonating through both of these rosters. You'd think they might lean into a a red Gatorade or something of the like. And that is one of the favorites, but the current favorite is actually purple Gatorade. So so that's something to take down because I think a lot of the betting public is just going to assume it's going to be a red Gatorade because regardless of whether it's the Niners or the Chiefs, they both rock red. It's going to be a common theme you're seeing all day and night on Sunday. Uh, So just buyer beware there. While red and pink would be the public play, I think we're looking at probably purple Gatorade as the winning color coming up. Super Bowl is known for having, of course, the the only time that we see the Star Spangled Banner and the National Anthem done Mm. live on TV. The National Anthem will be sung by Reba McIntyre. Bless her heart. Love her. So, of course, now the question is over or under on uh, on on the length of time. So yep. we're, at, we're at what? 84? Uh, yeah, 84 and a half and seconds. A half seconds. So one minute, 24 and a half seconds, which if you remember, that's that's going to sound fast to a lot of people. You yeah. Usually this number is usually in like the 140 to two minute length. But you got to consider who's singing. Reba, you know, great singer, great artist, legend in the game in her own right. But she's not necessarily the type to be belting out and holding notes for extended period of time. So it's a pretty low over under. I think she's going to try and surprise us. So I think this could be a spot where we could grab a low over. And I think I'm going to go over 84 and a half seconds. That's one pick I will give out here for the anthem. Just because... I think with it being so low, it's almost like kind of a, a little bit of a slight to her singing ability. I think she's going to stretch out the moment a little bit. And I think over 84 and a half seconds for the anthem could end up being a pretty good play. All right, let's talk about the halftime show. Usher will be performing uh, center field. So what will be his opening song? Will mm. it be Yeah from 2004? Well, you, when you look at the odds of like what song is going to be performed, yeah, is so much of a guarantee. Like you can't even bet on it. It's it's so much yeah. of a guarantee. <laughs> so we're going to hear it during the set. It's about when you think it's going to come. Is he going to start with yeah, his biggest song? I don't know. I don't think he's going to start with it. I, I think he's going to start with something that's popular but maybe not quite his biggest record that has a lot of energy. I'm leaning towards a song like OMG or maybe DJ Got Us Fallen In Love. Uh, It's a very Vegas club, Vegas residency theme song going with the home city. OMG gets people off their feet, bass thumping song. Um, So I'm going to lean into maybe one of those two. I think we're saving yeah for the end. And and, and the closing Mm -hmm. song is like, you know, is he going to close in a group with Little John and Ludacris? Is he going to close by himself? These are all the things that you need to weigh as you're, you're navigating through the waters of these Super Bowl prop bets. That's my other question is who else will be on stage with him during his performance? So the one that I'm leaning in on big time is Justin Bieber. 
Justin mm. Bieber has actually had a little bit of a health setback for, for those who don't realize in the last six to 12 months, um, where he's actually been recovering from, from a syndrome that hasn't been able to allow him to perform. But just recently, he's got back in the studio. So I think there's a very good chance he does. Usher was literally Justin Bieber's mentor growing up. Usher brought Justin Bieber into the music game. A lot of people might not realize that, uh, but there's a deep tie there. If Bieber has aspirations to play the Super Bowl in the future, it'd be in his best interest to have a standout cameo. So I think this is a spot uh, where that happens. The one that's a big-time guarantee is Alicia Keys, My Boo. That's a classic song for anyone who doesn't know it. Be sure to hit that up on YouTube, an all-time Pop 2K favorite. So you're definitely going to see her out there as well, too. Alicia Keys, pretty guaranteed. But the more even money play is uh, is go with the Beebs making a surprise appearance out there. All right, since it is Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to have to uh, talk about the food spread right now as we hashtag always end with food. Yeah, that's right. Let's do it. Always end with food, our food segment to end every podcast. It's at always end with food on Instagram. Uh, Mike, I, I mentioned a color earlier. Yeah. That's the theme of my Super Bowl menu. Do you remember what that color was, sir? It's it's red, but I want to know, is it red because of the Chiefs and the Niners or red because of Taylor Swift? All both and everything and, in between, my friend. And if it's red because of Taylor Swift, does that mean you'll have 13 food items? Oh my God. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I'm only serving for three people. So the answer is no to the latter. But that's amazing planning thought. If you're hosting a big party out there, you yeah. should have 13 things in your spread, yeah. especially if you're in the state of Missouri or Kansas City area. No, it's just red. So we're going chips and queso with red pepper and red salsa. We're going okay. veggie crudite with red pepper hummus. We're doing some mm. red meats and cheeses, a little charcuterie board. And then easy enough, right? You got to go with a big, nice red sauce pizza, half cheese, okay. half pepperoni, a little more red, and then just some red hot buffalo chicken. I'm just playing into foods that are already great football snacks as is and leaning into the color red. So that that's going to be the spread. And oh, I didn't freak the dessert, my friend. Yes, we have the red velvet cupcakes secured to round out the red themed Super Bowl spread. Uh, I, I am ready to roll for Sunday. I just, I just can't after that. I, I know there was, there was a lot of pun there. So I apologize for anyone who was over cheesed by that joke load, uh, but it should be a fun Super Bowl Sunday. Y'all enjoy it out there. Uh, Get, win a few prop bets, uh, and we'll all have fun this Sunday. Be sure to follow along on Twitter and socials, and we thank you for joining this course of life. We'll see you next week.